Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your hosts, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suits. Steve Campbell here with you. In this episode, we will be starting a brand new three-part series on sourcing income once you reach financial freedom. When we say sourcing income, what we're talking about is the shift many listeners are making when they move from accumulating or saving to having to withdraw money from various assets and investments. This represents a big shift for many, and they'll admit that they just don't know how to do it. So in part one, we're going to talk about taxes and ways to think about reducing the taxes you will have to pay over your entire lifetime. We would all like to owe the IRS as little as possible and within lawful ways. So we want to provide a frame of reference for how you can look at the potential taxes you're going to owe. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe and follow this podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also love to earn a five-star rating and have you leave a review. Your review and rating can inspire someone else to become a believer. But thanks for being our guest. And as always, you only get one shot at this thing called life. We are here to help you get the most out of it. Enjoy. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suits podcast. Steve Campbell with Travis Moss. As you heard in our intro today, we are going to be kicking off a brand new series talking about how you can still get paid when you've reached this eventual road of financial freedom. You know, for this is a big shift for a lot of people retiring right now, where you've gone from being an accumulator, building up money over your entire career. You've now reached financial freedom. And now you have to begin to think about drawing money from these various accounts and assets that you have. And there's a big question that people have, which is, how do I actually do it? And and what are the best ways to get started? And one of the biggest conundrums that people have is around this idea of taxes. How do we reduce what we're going to owe the IRS? And I know, Travis, we have a lot of really good talking points to go through today. So let's talk all things taxes. How can we reduce what we owe the IRS? I think most people come in not necessarily thinking that. They're they're thinking, how do I source income from my accounts? Mm -hmm. And taxes are like this other thing that they do once a year when they go meet with their CPA or somebody and they file their taxes and they find out how much they owe. Yep. And I think taxes are important when you're figuring out your income planning because each different type of account that you have, where you have your money, each one of those accounts carries with it a different type of IOU to the federal government. Yep. And you you have to think of that when you're setting up these income plans or when you're sourcing income for somebody as far as, okay, if I take money out of my IRA, how much income taxes do I pay? If I take money out of my Roth, what's my tax burden and so on and so forth. And it's not it's it's sometimes not as simple as well that's a tax deferred account and that's a tax free account like a Roth is it it could be something uh, a little bit more nuanced like I happen to be in a low enough bracket that my standard deduction what's on my income um, or I happen to be in a in a in a tax situation where I don't pay capital gains mm-hmm. up until a certain threshold so when when we look at an account or a household let's take this from a household standpoint we think about somebody and all their resources that they have they, that they can all their financial resources that they have that they can source income from yep really as a balance sheet and when you look at your balance sheet on the top of it you have all your stuff and then you have a line and underneath that you have your debts and then you have another line and you have your net worth 
-hmm. So you add up the value of everything at the top, and then you add up all the debts, you subtract the two, and that's actually what you're worth. The problem is, is that there's uh, another line that doesn't normally show up on your balance sheet, and that is your lifetime of taxes that you owe the federal or the state government or even local municipal government sometimes. So there's income taxes or capital gains taxes or other forms of taxes that are literally liabilities on your balance sheet. So for instance, let's say that you had a $1 million retirement account like let's mm -hmm. say your 401k and it's the type where you got a tax deduction to put your money in it. You look at your statement, you say, wow, I have a million dollars. Yeah. Well, I look at your statement and I say something like, wow, you have $750,000. And you say, no, you, you must be blind. It says a million dollars on it. And I say, well, yeah, but the IRS thinks about probably in that scenario, 25% of it's going to belong to them. Yeah. So you can't just take that money and go, hi, they're going to send you a bill and say, give that back to us. You owe us. So it's not really all your money. There's some money there that's going to have to go to the tax man. So the big question is, is how much does the IRS think you, you, they deserve based on your situation, which is going to be different from person to person? And can we do anything to reduce the amount? that they are ultimately going to get. <laughs> we'll put a little caveat on that in a legal manner. I, there you go. I know lots of people who there are like, go. hey, 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 you know an accountant? And we're like, yeah, what are you looking for? And they're like, I want to I want to figure out how to, how to, you know, not pay taxes on the money I'm making. Hmm. And it's like, uh, okay, what do you mean? Well, I, I know that there's ways that you can like do some interesting accounting with the business and stuff and make it look like I, I don't make any money. And it's like, Okay, well, if you're asking us to essentially do tax evasion, the answer is no, we're not going to help you with that. Sorry, not um, today, folks. There's very few ways to get out of taxes, right? Um, yeah. And, and most of them are not legal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you end up owing taxes because you made some money, but it is important, it is really important to take that into account. When you're looking at what you have and what you have available to you, how do the taxes come into play? Yeah. And I think it's really important too, because you you just touched on it. Your your planning should be as unique as your life. And what is right for maybe a colleague or a, you know, somebody on your street, what they did to either reduce their taxes or pay less might not be appropriate for your situation. And sometimes we're all looking for whether it's on forms online or reading articles, what's everyone else doing? And then can I do that? So I think you're touching on something that's really important, which is the idea of we know that taxes are going to be due, but what are some ways legally, which that's what we want to just reiterate to everybody legally, that you can do to kind of reduce what you would need to pay. And I love that idea, not just this year, but over a lifetime, a lifetime of taxes and what's involved in that. So why don't you talk to us then a little bit about now that we've laid the groundwork, knowing that taxes may be due, depending on the various nature of our accounts. Maybe what are some things people need to think about or the big areas that you know we need to bring to light to help listeners? We need to change the paradigm. We, you know, we talk about investing all the time. And when the market's down, it's a good time to invest. When the market's high, it's a good time to take some of your earnings. And it's normally everybody's working counterintuitive to that, right? Yep. Same thing comes with taxes. For some reason, we have turned into this kind of minimize my taxes at all costs type of reactionary environment. You go to your CPA and you say, or your accountant and you say, cut my taxes. I just don't want to, how much can you reduce my tax bill by? Yeah. 
that is a kick the can down the road mentality. There are some things that you can do, certainly are. And I see people normally leaving things off the, you know, they, they miss things that are on the table. They don't put enough in retirement accounts. They don't use an HSA. They don't do proper business accounting. You know, maybe they're, they don't understand depreciation or things like that. There's, there's normally some low hanging fruit, but in general, the idea of, and I want to get to zero, uh, tax rates, right? I want to minimize my tax rate as low as possible is a really kind of fascinating concept because how do you think that that actually happens? If you made money this year and you somehow make it look like you didn't make money, where did it go? Hmm. Either you lost money in the past and you use them to negate each other or you kicked the can down the road, you buried it someplace. And is that likely to show up down the road? A really good example of how you do this is depreciation on real estate. Let's say that you buy a house and you turn it into a rental and you know somebody pays you $600 a month to rent it from you and you take care of the mortgage and the taxes and everything. And on your taxes, you actually do what they call depreciate the property. So you take a little bit of a tax deduction every year. Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because let's say like 20 years from now, you said, I don't want this property anymore. I'm going to sell it now. And you go and you sell it. Well, all that depreciation, all those tax deductions you took the entire way, guess what happens when you go sell it? That all becomes income because you got the mm. tax deduction. So, so now you have to, the IRS gave you a discount for essentially owning that property over along the way to kind of promote you into owning it in the first place. But now when you want to get rid of it, you, the IRS is going to reclaim their tax deduction they gave you, but now all at one time. Now they say, okay, you know, we we maybe let you deduct a couple thousand dollars a year and you deducted a hundred thousand over the years. We want it all back now. And it all shows up back at income on your tax. So even though you kicked that can down the road a long time, the question is, is how much did that benefit you? Hmm. And so there's a lot of things that we want to think about when we're looking at this, that this whole kind of conundrum. Capital gains is one of them. Yep. So Let's say that this one drives me crazy. I, I, I'm it, capital gains are a trap because currently the only so capital gains is what happens when you you buy an investment or, or an asset and then you sell it at a, in a future date for more than you paid for. It. So you have Makes a capital sense. gain. It's got its own special tax rules and tax rates and everything like that. Yep. To tie this back to what we're talking about with uh, retirees, this is your after-tax investment. So these are not retirement account investments, but maybe some money you put in a brokerage account or you got some company stock or something like that. Yep. So you put money into this brokerage account, you build a nice little, let's say million dollar portfolio over time. But if you were to sell the whole thing, you would have $600,000 of capital gains and have to pay capital gains on that. So the question is, is how can you manage it so that you can use that money? Because a lot of times what people will say, well, I don't want to sell my investments because I don't want to pay that capital gains. So think about it like this. You bought a stock for $100. It goes up to $120. If you sell it, you pay taxes on $20. And you say, well, I don't want to pay more taxes, so I'm not going to sell it. And then it goes back down. The price of the stock drops and it drops to $80. You now have a loss of $20. So good news, you don't have to pay taxes. In fact, you get a tax uh, loss that you can write off. Uh, or deduct, but you also lost $20 in, in, in real profit. So had you even paid the 15% capital gains on the 
you know, that's a $3,000 bill, you still would have come out $17 or 17% ahead. Right. So I don't want to sell it because I'm going to pay taxes on it. So then we wait for it to go down. Now I have a loss. And then people come in with a, think about the stock market today. And they say, well, I have a loss in that holding. If I sell it now, I can use that to offset gains elsewhere in my portfolio. So you're telling me that you had an investment that's really good investment and you really liked it at $100 and you really liked it at $120 and it goes down in price to $85 or $80 or wherever it goes down to. And now you hate it. So you are doing, it's the epitome of selling low because of the income taxes. So too often we're looking at our investments and we're like, okay, I'm going to, I don't want any capital gains no matter what. I'm going to push this off as long as I can. Yeah. Well, the only way out of it right now, out of capital gains, is you can give your money away or you can die. And that's the current rules because you get a step up a cost basis when you leave these things to your kids or whatnot. But I don't think that's a good plan for anybody. I don't think anybody should be saying, well, you know, my plan about getting out of taxes is just to die someday. Because there's very few good companies that you can think back up, back to. If you're, let's say you're in your 50s or 60s and you think back to when you were a kid, how many of those companies are the best companies today? Very, very few. Yep. So had you owned the stock, yes, you would have gone up. And then at some point, you would have come right back down. You would have given up all this value that you had made over the years so you didn't have to pay taxes. We got it. We have a couple other ones, not to draw this on too much, but um, RMDs and uh, IRDs. So RMDs are required minimum distributions. This is money that you have to take out of your retirement account when you get to the age of 72 currently. So let's say you put a bunch of money away and you don't need to take out any money um, out of your accounts to be retired. By age 72, the IRS is saying, look, you know those IOUs in there? It's time to start paying them. And we're going to tell you how much you got to take out every year so that we can start making our money. IRDs is income and respected descendants. So basically what that means is, is if I don't get through all the income taxes that I owe in my lifetime, I'm going to leave that bill on to my kids. That's not estate taxes. That's different. What we're talking here is if I had a million dollar IRA and I did not cash that out of my lifetime, I, the IRS is still saying somebody owes them hmm. for that money. So if I don't pay, my kids will pay when they cash it out. And right now they have a certain amount of years that they're allowed to stretch it over but essentially they're going to have to cash it out. So yep. that's an income tax bill that I've left them to have to deal with. Yep. One way or another, the IRS is getting their pound of flesh from this. So one of the things that happens with income planning is because we're in such a hurry to keep our income tax bracket at zero. We, we love this idea of not paying taxes that we don't use our retirement money. And then the retirement account gets so darn big that it forces us to take this big RMD in our 70s. And it just absolutely annihilates our tax bracket. We go (laughs) from zero to, you know, 24, 32, like we're just going straight up the brackets. And we don't, we're not accounting for the lifetime of income taxes, not the year to year. Year to year is, you know, I'm going to try to lower my tax bracket bill this year. What if by lowering your tax bill this year, you tripled your tax bill in three years? You you need to be able to see these things. So this is a this is a big part of like, do I use my cash? Do I use my retirement account? Do I use a little bit of each? Yep. Uh, do I sell some stocks and take some of my capital gains and and kind of include that in that pool? 
Well, and I want to park right there for a minute because, you know, you, you had just mentioned something that might have been lost maybe on some listeners, but I've noticed is coming up quite a bit um, that people just don't really understand is how the rules for leaving money to your heirs has really changed your children, your descendants. Um, a lot of people not realizing how in 2019, the SECURE Act has now changed the way that money can be left and money that you're leaving to your heirs has mm-hmm. to be taken out within 10 years. When you say that to people, they don't realize that. So it totally changes the entire conversation because I think there's a dual mentality. I want to be able to leave something meaningful to my children to help them get a leg up in life, but I also don't want to crush them tax-wise that they're having to pay the burden of something that maybe I could have you know, lifted for them in my lifetime. So I think it's really important for people that if you're kind of in this stage now, you're thinking about your heirs and what am I going to do with this money? And one of the ways that you said, which is fairly morbid, you can either die or give some money away. The way in which I think you have to do things has to be extremely intentional today. The, what, I, what we find is that most people have the right idea. They have the right heart, the right motives. They want to do the right thing, but sometimes it's the execution that's costing somebody else more than I think they calculated or really understood. So I just didn't want anybody to get yep. lost because that was such a good point. And I've noticed it's come up a lot with people in retirement, which is not understanding how the rules have forever changed how you leave money to your heirs. Well, and I think if we step back too, we could say that this is a broader conversation just for financial freedom. This isn't just about retirees. This is for anybody at any sure. point who's trying to figure out which money to spend. Yep. I see this mistake quite often. People for some reason, earmark the accounts they're going to spend money out of based on their kind of emotional or psychological tie to that money. I want to use this account for the first five years, or I want to use this account to pay off my mortgage, even though it doesn't make any logical sense from a financial planning perspective and from a tax management perspective. They've just said that that's that's my mortgage account there. When I build that up high enough, I'm going to use that for this. Yep. Without thinking about the the tax implications or the 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 spread between interest rates and those types of things, so I think you have to get out of the "this is what I want to do" mentality, and I think you have to look at this is my balance sheet right now, mm-hmm. but you also have to put in the tax liability, and yeah. you have to understand when the tax liability kicks in. For instance, you might have capital gains on your account. But your income, your first year retirement, because you're not claiming social security yet, your taxable income might literally be $30,000 a year. Well, if you're married filing jointly, you've got over $50,000 that you could have capital gains without paying any federal income taxes on because of the way capital gains taxes work. So even though you have that liability, doesn't mean that you can't maneuver it in a way that you can maximize things on a year-to-year basis. It's not about being at 0% bracket. It's about how you move things around your balance sheet. IRAs are another example. Let's say that you're looking at your retirement projections and back to the same example, you have $30,000. You're married filing jointly. You have $30,000 of income and you're not taking social security yet and you have an IRA. Well, between $30,000 and somewhere around $81,000, you're still in the 12% tax bracket. And that doesn't include even your standard deduction on top of that. So if you have these big IRAs that you're deferring because you have lots of cash, you live off your cash and whatnot, then what's going to happen is in their 70s, all of a sudden those RMDs kick in 
we talked yep. about a little bit earlier, required minimum distributions, they're going to kick in. You're going to end up now with like a hundred grand a year in income <laughs> just off the retirement accounts. It takes you up a couple tax brackets versus, look, if I pay 12% now, is that better than paying 24% in the future? Even yeah. if I don't have the money, I could use that to convert it to the Roth, spend my cash. There's different strategies that you would use with different types of money. So when I say we have to get from I want, this is what's simple to me because this is you know how I earmark things. We have to get to you know back to the the uh, your money business. You want to manage your balance sheet like a business would. I have these assets, I have these liabilities, and I do have taxes due. Yep. And the big question is is how do I grow my balance sheet the best from point A to point B? So if point A is today and point B is five years from now, how do I make decisions this year to increase my net worth, not my gross worth, my net worth? So remember, gross worth is just all my assets. Net worth is subtracting my, my, my taxes and all my debts. Yep. So I, for, I, I could have more money in the future but a larger IOU to the IRS, which actually reduces my net worth. Yep. So I, what we want to do when we're making decisions is think about where are we today and how can I improve my situation You know, at whatever time period in the future? That should dictate how you use different accounts to pay the bills along the way um, because you frankly really don't want to just go to the whole 0% you know tax situation. Well, I think you just raised a lot of, you know, good points for people. We're throwing out a lot of numbers, but it, there's probably a lot of people this is very top of mind and this idea of stepping back and being able to look at planning over a lifetime and not just what works this year or what works next year. If you can have a plan that that is built in purpose and intentionality of knowing Maybe I'm going to play, uh, pay slightly higher taxes in the next few years so that I've reduced my overall income from my lifetime, from my heirs. Think about when we talk about financial freedom, how freeing that is. That, that financial freedom doesn't mean that things are necessarily easy, but it means that I understand what's happening at every step of my life and there's purpose to every decision that I'm making. I know I'm going to pay a slightly higher or larger tax bill this year and next year because of what that means for me the next 20 years. Without that, most people are left navigating. They just got done working a career for 30, 40 years where we just talked about in our last series, as much as we you know, would like to admit that our job is not our identity. How many people, if they're really being honest, would realize that's all they've ever known? And now they're in this place where they're trying to operate, as you call it, their money business. And they've never looked at it like that. And it's so overwhelming. Everything is a big decision, but it doesn't have to be with intentionality. And so I think this has been a really uh, useful first part to this series to help people understand that taxes are real. They're going to happen. How you manage those is completely your choice. But I think, you know, when you're talking about intentionality, these are bringing, you know, to heart some really good points. So before we wrap up, you know, this, this first one, anything else that's left over that you want to cover? I think we could wrap up with just a really good example. Yeah. I had a 55-year-old retire, so obviously too young for Social Security. I uh, was going to receive a very good pension, had a lot of retirement account money, and also a lot of cash investments like mm -hmm. uh, brokerage accounts and that kind of stuff. So in her situation, rather than taking the pension, we delayed the pension and we converted money into a Roth IRA 
pretty equivalent to what her pension would have been. So she was going to pay the taxes one way or another. Yep. Um, but we cut the tax bill essentially on her IRA conversions in half uh, as far as compared to what she would have paid in the future. And then she lived off the cash to pay the bills instead of what her pension would have given her and to pay the taxes. So she didn't have to take any out of the IRA when she did the conversions. Mm -hmm. So the pension typically is for retirement. In her case, she didn't need the income because she had the money, but instead of being in yay, we're at 0% for a couple of years, we maximized it and cut her long-term tax bills on that block of money probably in half. So oh. um, just understanding how your different accounts work, the different types of money. Yep. Even if you're young right now and you're thinking about, wow, that sounds really cool. There are ways to set it up so that you have those options. Some people, yep. they get to retirement, they have no options. Everything's in the retirement account. That's it. Mm-hmm. But some people get to retirement again, they've got all three kind of tax buckets, tax deferred, tax free, and then... Um, you know, taxable as you go. And you want to try to maximize each one as best as you can. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on it last time. And as a public service announcement, we are just here to remind you that money is simply a tool and you have many tools in your toolbox. You have things like pensions, social security, different types of uh, retirement accounts. Some are taxable, some are untaxable, uh, not taxable, if you will. And these are all tools, just as you wouldn't walk into your shed or your garage and just pick up the first tool and start whacking away Every tool in your tool shed serves a purpose. Same thing with your money. It's no different. We just try to bring it full circle for you and realize that with proper planning, you can start to look at the things that you have as tools that are helping you not only reach, but I would even say maintain financial freedom. No one wants to start off with great intentions saying, yeah, I'm finally financial free, only to find that they find themselves in traps because they just made blunders or mistakes along the way. So I think this was a helpful first conversation to realize that taxes are going to be coming due, but there are some ways that you can think about taxes over a lifetime versus just kicking the can down the road. So as always, we appreciate you being our guest and stay tuned. We have two more great episodes in this series. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this entire episode. Uh, We hope that this information has inspired you and empowered you to go out and live your best life. But let's be honest, you might have a question or two about some of the things we talked about today. If this is you, Travis and I are here to help in any way that we can. You can reach out to us and follow us on social media on Facebook at CPG. You can send us an email, uh, info at CPG.com. Just let us know in the email. This is in regards to ditch the suits, a question or topic you might want us to cover. Or you can visit our website, which is CPG.com. That's seedpg.com. Head up to that right corner, fill out that contact us button, and just let us know in the comments that this is in regards to Ditch the Suits. If you have a question, a series of questions, or anything we can do to help you on your journey to financial freedom, Travis and I are here to help. So again, it's your money and it's your life. You only get one shot at this thing. Our job is to make sure you get the most out of it. Thanks for being our guest. And until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Ready to Ditch the Suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.